is this is a football podcast, man. Meat, football, good. Man, we talk football. We eat burgers. <laughs> Welcome back to the Fantasy Brothers Podcast. I am Josh Johnson. Through the power of the internet, we got Ben right over there. We are, we are stoked. We are absolutely stoked. It is the episode we have all been waiting for. Ben, let them know what's about to happen. We it was our biggest episode last year, most popular. My favorite one to do. I know your favorite one to do. We are here. Yep. With our 2023 my guys these are our favorite guys throughout the draft either as players based on draft position based on talent situation everything these are our favorite guys to smash in the draft and not in a weird yeah. way and, and uh, yeah not a pause <laughs> on that one what do you mean um, what do you mean what do you mean <laughs> we <laughs> We're we're stoked about this one. The my guys, it is a fun time talking about the guys that we're trying to acquire just about everywhere. Um, if we can end up, we're doing four each. So if if we end up with like two or three of these guys in our drafts, we are very very excited about that team. So this is a big one. This is this is the moment we've all been waiting for. Um. Before we get into the my guys, before we Dang get into it. the madness, we got some news. And before Don't we even get into off. the news, what? Really quickly, really quickly. This is no, this is good. This um, is two things before we get to the my guys, Josh. Two, two things before we get to Stop the main it. event. <laughs> uh, if you're enjoying the show, make sure to leave a rating and review wherever you're listening. It is truly extremely helpful um, to spread the show to more ears, especially with Apple Podcasts, right? Like if you're going to listen to an episode or a, or a new podcast, you scroll down there to the reviews, you want to see what's this all about? What are people saying about it? It's got a Yelp reviews built in there. And it's really nice sometimes when you're just trying to try a show out to see the reviews, to see, how, you know, the positive reinforcement of other people in there in the podcast player. So I don't know about you, Ben, but for me, I really love seeing some positive reviews about a show that I'm going to try out. It helps a lot. It also makes us feel good. Know that we're putting out content the community <laughs> actually appreciates. And we're yeah. not just doing this for our own egos. I mean, we are a little bit. <clears throat> a little bit, but that's bad. <laughs> so, yeah, leave a rating review wherever you're listening to the podcast. And uh, that's enough of that. So let's hop into some news we have it's killing me. It's it's killing you. We got a few things that we're just going to run through here real quick. Uh, Kareem housekeeping Hunt. Items. Yes. Housekeeping items. Kareem Hunt was over the weekend has visited the Vikings. He was so, supposed to sign with the Saints. I thought they like said he was pending a physical was going to be a Saint, and then they're like, nah. And then yeah, and then he went to the Colts, and then I guess the Colts didn't sign him. And, and now he's going to visit the Vikings. I'm very confused, but uh, he's, I mean, I guess he's going to end up somewhere, right? The Vikings would make sense, I think. I could see it. It would, it would hurt like, the Alexander Madison hype, but it would make sense from a team perspective. Oh, yeah. I mean, I would imagine if Kareem Hunt goes to the Vikings, he would be the primary ball carrier. 
yeah, I, think, I mean, he's he's better than Alexander Madison. As much as everybody likes to like Madison, he's better. Yeah. And, I, I, you it's know, I like though, Alexander that, Madison, but. <clears throat> it's weird, though, that it's Hunt getting all the hype. Because, like, of the free agent backs, he's not the top guy. No. And it must be a price thing. Yes. Yeah. You can get him for cheap, I, probably. I, you can get him for next to nothing, and I would imagine that's what it is. Uh, a couple injury stories here. We got uh, this one is just for you, Ben. Marlon Mack tore his Achilles once again, and he is out for the year. Fortunately, how, his career has probably coming to a close. <laughs> how does this affect Marlon Mack? Greatly. <laughs> for those of you who don't know, it's like on Sleeper, there's always the the guy in the chats for news stories who asks how this affects Marlon Mack for like an injury to Chase Devon, or Jamar Chase or something. So yeah, <laughs> it's a big inside joke for sleeper users, and we finally have an answer. Yeah, uh, yeah. Poor Marlon Mack. I feel bad for the guy because yeah, you know bad he was for just the player. This is the yeah, second. I feel time. real bad. For, yeah, just rough. I mean, he signed. Was it with the Texans? Maybe. Yeah. Texans. Like, and then a week later in training camp. No, no, Cardinals. Because he was with the Texans Cardinals. last year. And now that's right with the Cardinals. Yep, <clears throat> that's right. He's at the point of his career when I'm not sure which team he's on. He had it. He had it tough, just man. Brutal. I remember having Marlon Mack. This was like our um, Jonathan Taylor's rookie year before they drafted him. I'm like, I'm really excited to have Marlon Mack this year. It was a dynasty, our, one of our main dynasty league. I'm like, he's going to be pretty good. Then the draft, Jonathan Taylor, and I was devastated, distraught afterwards. But they like, he's definitely the starter, yada, 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 till Taylor's, quote unquote, you know, ready or whatever. First game, tears his Achilles. Great. And obviously, yep. never really came back since, and now he does it again. Yep. Uh, Devontae Adams tweaked his knee in practice. I sort of included this just yep. because it's something worth monitoring. He's probably fine. Um, but, you know, we have... I have told many people to draft Devontae Adams. I think he's a good player. And so it is you worth think he's monitoring. A, a good player. I think he's a he's great only the player. best receiver in the league from a real life perspective. He is very, very he's a Hall of Famer. Let's put it that way. First ballot Hall of Famer. He's a stud. Uh but that being said, uh, sort of monitor this knee thing. It's the same thing with like the Cooper Cup hamstring injury. I don't think it's going to be a huge deal season long, but it's just something to monitor. Yeah. They'll probably be fine. He's he's probably fine. Kenneth Walker has not yet practiced in uh, Saints training camp practices due to a groin injury. Again, something to monitor, especially since Zach Charbonnet is already back from his shoulder injury and uh, and getting reps at the ones. Shares. It, it, honestly, it is. Did you watch any of uh, any of him in the preseason? Dude, he looked. Remember when we were doing the draft shows and just do, sort of doing our player comps? And I, I remember at one point I compared him to James Conner. And watching him this past weekend, it just reaffirmed that James Conner comparison. Like he is a thumper, and uh, I don't know, and a very don't know capable pass eight. catcher. I don't know who number eight was for the Vikings, but he got popped twice by Zach Charbonnet. I mean, yeah. like dropped his shoulder, just boom, like leveled up with him. Yeah. 
just brutal. Feel bad for the guy. That was that was tough to watch. <laughs> but I also yeah. like it because uh, well, I'm a no, I'm a big Zach Charbonnet fan. You are too. We were both really mad when he went to Seahawks, but I think the talent's there, and he's going to be a contributor even if Kenneth Walker is healthy. But yeah, I, I would agree. love to see I mean, him. The- with, I would love to see him as a true starter. I honestly feel like at the worst, he is basically what A.J. Dillon has been the past few years, where he's got some standalone value. Maybe he's not much better than like RB24 on his good seasons, um, but he's still like an RB3 at worst, I feel like. Yeah. If like Kenneth Walker, if this injury like is a lingering thing and keeps going into the season and keeps him out games, like I think Zach Charbonnet is a top 15 option when for sure walkers out yeah for sure yeah again it's that aj Dillon thing where like if aaron jones is out aj Dillon is automatically like a top 15 is, option aaron jones has like never been out we're always never. like one injury to aaron jones and aj Dillon's going to be great and aaron jones never gets hurt i know it's just brutal it's <laughs> i've been waiting for aj Dillon <laughs> breakouts for years and it just has not happened who who is Aaron Jones's trainer? Because he needs to train every running back in the league. Like this dude is always healthy. I don't know, man. But you're right. He just never gets hurt. It's incredible. Um, okay, a couple depth start things here. Number one, this sort of surprised me because I have not been paying attention to him because I left him for dead last year. Sky Moore has been running with the first team offense for the Chiefs and two wide receiver sets all training camp. It's sourced from a guy named Jesse Newell. Oh, Jesse, he's a he's a big name guy. Yeah, big name guy. Jesse Newell is. I don't even know. I mean, it was included in the sleeper thing, so I figured the name was worth mentioning. So, if you want to follow up on who Jesse Newell is, be my guest. But let us. I'm honestly a little shocked. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if this just is a thing because. Kadarius Tony's been out with the knee injury, but Sky Moore getting on the field. You. I'm not reading anything into the Chiefs wide receiver situation until I see somebody like on the field emerge. Like they Fair talk enough. about Justin Ross, we've talked about Rasheed Rice, we've talked about Kadarius Tony, we talked about uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling. Hey, MVS Sky Moore. Like until I see somebody actually start filling the true wide receiver one role in Kansas City. I'm not I'm not buying any of it. Fair enough. Um all right, this one, it's got some people worried. I've been telling them not to, but you know, it is what it is. Bijan big deal, guys. <laughs> Bijan opened preseason as the number 3 running back on Falcons depth chart. Ben, tell them how they should feel about that bit of information. Uh I'd drop him. <laughs> Look, the Falcons offense is going to be pretty. Falcons offense is going to be pretty bad this year, guys. And I don't want the number three. I don't want the number one back on that team. So I definitely don't want the number three back. Right. There's there's your answer. Okay. <laughs> I no, mean, he um, didn't play in preseason game one. So like that that tells me he's a starter. Like the Falcons yeah. sat all their starters. Guess who did? Guess who sat? Bijan Robinson. Like. Everybody freaked out for no reason. This is it, it, it does not mean anything. It does not mean anything. 
To be fair, um, though, Tyler Algier didn't play either, who's currently listed ahead of B. John Robinson. Fair enough. I just, there is no world that is logical in my brain where they spend that sort of draft capital on a running back. Oh, no, there's a list world. It's called Arthur third. Smith. No, not it's even Arthur, Arthur Smith, Smith is that insane. <laughs> not I even Arthur Smith. that would be great, though. That would be the thing that got him fired. You draft oh, God. a running back at eight, and then you put him at third on the depth chart like, and do that end of the season? Yeah. Go. Get him out. <laughs> yeah, so... I'm sure some people will avoid Bijan with that news. Those are called Nothing. sheep. <laughs> they, are, they are scared. There is no reason why this should factor into anything at all. Even, let, let's play it out, though. Even if he does open up as not the like clear starter week one, um, Brees Hall had this last year. He opened up as the number three back on their depth chart. And remember, there was a lot more because he was a second round pick. And there was a lot more buzz about Michael Carter going into the year. But then Brees Hall, even in like not elite workload, averaged 16 and a half fantasy points a game until his injury. He was a top seven guy per game, um, even while not being the main dude. So, you know, even if Dijon... especially at running back, will win out. Exactly. And... It was ramping up sort of thing with Brees Hall. I know some people are going to be like, yeah, I don't want to mess with ambiguous backfields. I don't think it'll be ambiguous at this all. It's not ambiguous. Even if it is, Bijan Robinson is by far and away the most talented back in his backfield. If you don't take him, it's just, I don't know. If you don't it's take a timid him, move. I will. Exactly. Somebody in your league will take him. And when he finishes top five, you're going to be like, hmm. I should not have passed on him. Yeah. You enjoy so anyway. making fifth because you were scared to take, because you're scared to take guys. Yeah. All right. Let's hop go. into the main event. We're talking my guys for 2023 fantasy football. We've each got four, and then we have a collective honorable mention. Ben, lead us off. Hit us with your first my guy for this coming fantasy season. Number one, my guy. I'm really high on him, and I want to be even higher than that. This is how much I like him. It is Jameer Gibbs. I am. We talk, we're talking about Breeze John Robinson, and like he's a first round pick in in dynasty startups in redraft first round pick set in stone. I Jameer Gibbs was taking four picks after him at pick twelve, and I watched the the Lions draft room when they drafted him. They were scared when they drafted, when they traded out of six, that Gibbs wasn't going to be there. They were going to take him at six ahead of B. John Robinson. So they ended up getting him at 12. Jameer Gibbs has the talent level of Alvin Kamara, possibly even more talented than Alvin Kamara with his just pure speed and quickness. He's going on to an offense that is really, really good. Behind a great offensive line, he's an unbelievable pass catcher. I've got we've got him ranked as our consensus RB ten. I mean, I, I'd say that's a good ranking, but I think his upside could be even higher than that. There's a world where he's top five. Yeah, and you're going to get him in. He's typically going late third round, early fourth round. That is unbelievable value for a guy who can finish top five at his position. Yeah. 
And I'll be honest with you. Uh, one of these other my guys that we'll talk about is my priority in the third round. Um, but he, if he's in the third round, it ends up being like one of the first couple picks in the third. If that guy's gone, we'll talk about him later. If he's gone, though, I'm looking at Jameer Gibbs as my number two guy in the third round where it, it just feels to me, and maybe it's just me, but it's obviously not because it's been two. It just feels like Gibbs has top three upside and like what's his worst scenario with his skill set, with the draft capital that they have spent to acquire him in my mind his worst case outcome is like rb 15 or 16 and he's going like that's in a, the i think mid-30. that's a bad season from jimmy gibbs obviously yeah. injury aside that's a completely different argument that's a bad season if he's the rb 15 i think right so and that's not even to mention like it's so funny because of gibbs skill set i still am super in on david montgomery because Gibbs can produce for fantasy without all the rushes. So you could have two backs finish in the top 24 where Dave Montgomery gets 230-ish carries, Jameer Gibbs gets 130-ish, but then Jameer Gibbs gets 80 catches. And, uh, you know, if the touchdowns fall his way, all of a sudden you look up and you go, dude had, you know, 200-ish touches, but ended up being a top five back in fantasy because he has such high value touches which is just he's going to be a bit of a unicorn this year and the alvin Kamara comparison is apt so yeah yeah Gibbs we, is awesome there I th- there's a world where he can finish at rb1 and peace you may say like there's no world of that yes there is look at alvin Kamara in 2020 900 rushing yards 16 touchdowns but he also had 83 catches yeah that's obviously it would have to be, be a that may be his floor is 83 catches Camaras or Gibbs Gibbs I don't know yet because I, I mean I, we haven't I mean, seen don't it. Know. maybe it's calling maybe. a shot this is a my guy calling a shot yeah. it doesn't some of the names we're going to bring up like they're not really called shots like these guys are good but yeah. there's a reason we're high on in this year with where they're being drafted plus the talent situation everything that they're going to, there's a really good chance they exceed where they're being taken. Yeah. All right. My number one, my guy. I talked about a guy as my number one ad in the third round. Uh, it, for me, it's Chris Olave. And I'm so in on him, I am taking him at the end of the second round. Um, I view him and Jalen Waddell as pretty much identical but I view Chris Olave as having a higher ceiling. And so I know Jalen Waddle. When you look at Jalen Waddle, you look at Chris Olave and you go, oh, one of these guys has finished top 10 already. Yes. But Chris Olave, in my mind, has top five upside as a wide receiver, top three upside as a wide receiver. Um, Derek Carr is notorious for heavily targeting his top receiving option and he's done it year over year so darren waller has so multiple 1100 1100- top three pick <laughs> no <laughs> because uh yeah michael thomas after two plus years of not playing football this is crazy michael thomas has not played in an nfl or has played three games sorry he's played three nfl games since drew Brees retired that was like three years ago exactly <laughs> 
<laughs> so like, why are we convinced Michael Thomas is back and he is good? Like, I don't know. It, it that aside. Um, okay, Derek Carr, he made Hunter Renfro a top twelve wide receiver. Devontae Adams last year had fifteen hundred yards. Amari Cooper and Michael Crabtree were top twelve wide receivers with Derek Carr. Perennially, his top receiving option is very, very good for fantasy football. Remember that game a couple years ago? Uh, it was the opening week. I think it was two years ago. When Derek Carr targeted Darren Waller like 18 times in a game, I'm that's what you that, get yeah. with Derek Carr. And <laughs> Chris Olave, if he's the type of player that if you give him 150 targets, which with Derek Carr, I believe is possible. He's the type of guy that takes those 150 targets and turns them into 1,400 yards and 10 touchdowns, which is the kind of production that gives you a top five wide receiver. Um, he, he was outpacing Garrett Wilson last year, but ended up falling just short of Garrett Wilson's numbers due to injury. But if uh, you don't take out those games lost due to injury, Chris Olave would have had more yards, more catches than, or he would have just had more yards, sorry. He would have had more yards than Garrett Wilson on the season. Um, and I know Garrett Wilson had terrible quarterback play, but Chris Olave was catching passes from Andy Dalton. So it's not like it was significantly better than what Garrett Wilson had at quarterback last year. Um, he is a big play waiting to happen and reports coming out of training camp are that Chris Olave has added a jump ball element to his game that wasn't quite there last year. So he's looking like a complete receiver, a do everything kind of guy that has the potential to get extremely targeted in his offense. And those are the kind of things that I want to buy into, especially when I can get him in the third round as my wide receiver two, which is just bonkers. So very, very, very in on Chris Olave. I've seen a couple of people even say that I get him in like the fourth round. I would lose my mind. I'm, I'm so in on Chris Olave this year. Holy cow. Yeah, you, I think you, you summed that up pretty well. I'm 100% with you on this one. The only reason he's not one of my, my guys is because you got to the show doc first. <laughs> yeah, like 100%. I'm that in on Chris Olave, too. This should speak volumes to you. You know how much of a T. Higgins fan I am with Joe Burrow. Yeah. Originally, when we did our wide receiver rankings, I had Higgins one spot ahead of Olave. I've bumped Olave ahead of him. Dang. And let's say, like, uh, that's, that, that speaks volumes. That does. That's, that says a lot. Guy last year. And uh, I've got him interchangeable, kind of like you said. With Jalen Waddle, I honestly may prefer him a little bit because I mean, obviously Jalen Waddle is incredible, top top five upside for sure. But there's going to be a little bit of fluctuation with Waddle just because of Hill. I'm not saying that Waddle's going to be bad. Like I'm, if he's my wide receiver too, yes, great, that's awesome. I'm happy with that. But yeah. I think Olave is going to be a little safer on a week to week basis than Waddle will be, and he's got the same upside. I would agree. Yeah. So I'm phenomenal. I back in the second round, I may try to play the ADP game with him. And if I can get him early third, I've seen him go mid third. I'm like, that is absolutely give me mid third every time. But early third, late second, yeah. I'm okay with that too. 
Yeah, if I'm drafting in the early first round, let's say I'm at the 103, um, and I get like a, you know, Christian McCaffrey in the first or Jamar Chase or one of those elite three guys, if I'm able to come around in the second round, grab a, a running back at the, at the late second, and then early third, grab Chris Olave, or alternately, you can do this. I have seen this done in drafts. You get Jamar Chase at the 103, Jalen Waddell at the 209, and Chris Olave at the 302 or the 303 or whichever it is unbelievable starts I was just there thinking, for your like, fantasy If teams. I can go, I don't know 100% if I would do that. I mean, I'm not saying it's a bad strategy because I'm just thinking who my running back would be in the fourth. We may talk about right, it later. Right, right. And that's probably why I, get, I wouldn't do that. If I get that, Christian but... McCaffrey, though, at the 1-3, like in a perfect world, then get Waddle and Olave back-to-back after that at the top yeah. of the second, early third, that is... That's the best draft start in your league. I don't care what anybody else did. Yeah, yeah. The only question with that is, like, does Olave go, you know, in, like, the first pick in the third round or something? Sometimes with these guys, like, in order to get them, I sort of have to draft them a little bit higher than maybe I would like, maybe not play the ADP game uh, and go for it. But I've definitely taken Olave at the 209 and felt great about it. Um, I don't think, though, that in a lot of leagues that is going to be something... Um, I don't think you'll have to do that because I don't think the general market has caught up on Chris Olave or is as bullish. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think you can probably even wait to the fourth in some leagues and get him, which is amazing. So yeah, that'll be, that'll be your ESPN draft with your high school buddies who haven't looked at this since. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. No, all right. I'm, give me your I'm number two, my guy, number two, my guy. We all know I love this guy. It's TJ Hawkinson. Yep. He's going fourth round, mid-fourth round. Some I've seen him a lot of times in the fifth round. I'm, I think that's a smash hit. I think we, we both have him ranked as a top three tight end. We, I know I'm higher on him than you have. But still, like a top three tight end in the fifth round, yeah, I'm, I'm all over that. He's in an ascending offense. I think the Vikings offense is going to be very good this year, actually. He hit the ground running with them last year. Like game one was good. And then he, he didn't look back the entire season with the Vikings. I know Jordan Addison's there, but the fact that it took zero adjustment for it, because off it's weird for tight ends. They need time to adjust to new systems, new blocking schemes, new, all this stuff. The fact that it didn't take time for TJ Hawkins, it yeah. just right away clicked. And he was great. That speaks volumes to me. And I, I just think it continues. He's, He's still ascending in his career. He's just now entering his prime. I'm I love taking T.J. Hawkinson in the fourth round because you because st- again like fourth round you've got guys say you went Chase you went I I would love my ideal scenario is like we said we I got CMC or somebody in the first then I got Olave and perfect world maybe Waddle in the second third and then back around late fourth round I can get T.J. Hawkinson. So I've got top one at his position with CMC, two guys with top five upside, and the top three tight end. That is chef's kiss. You're killing your draft. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Hawkinson is that dude for you. We have known that if you've been paying attention to the show for any amount of time. Ben is a big Hawkinson stan. Big, big hot guy. (laughs) <laughs> big hot guy uh okay my number two my guy 
again, this is one of those that Ben would have put him on the show doc if I didn't beat him to it. Yep. Because he's he is a collective my guy here at the Fantasy Brothers. I've liked him longer than you have. I just want to say that. You have. Your love for Miles Sanders has gone back multiple years. And mine, with the Eagles, I still liked him. Yeah. Um he was not it's a recent my favorite. Romance. It is. It is a recent romance. It is this summer. I looked up and said, Oh wow, Miles Sanders goes to the Panthers. In an era where running backs are falling like flies, we have one, one Sanders to rule them all. And and Miles Sanders now has an opportunity to be a very, very good fantasy running back to both get 250-plus carries and potentially 50 catches with this Panthers offense. Um, I am very, 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 very excited about Sanders in the late fourth, in the fifth round. Um, I think I think his ADP has been rising a little bit. So a people lot of this has been... Around. People are getting excited about it. And I think where a lot of this has been was... He's been going as like the RB25 or something like that for the majority of the offseason. Uh, and at that price, yeah, I've been projecting him as like the, the 15th guy all offseason long. And it just was an easy, oh, okay, well, he's going to be a lot better than RB25. Uh, I do think he's he. there's just so little room in my mind for him to fail because he is going to be a workhorse. I don't see a scenario where Chuba Hubbard eats into the running back uh, carries, at least in any significant sort of way. Uh, Bryce Young targeted his running backs in college significantly. Jameer Gibbs was a revelation at Alabama because Bryce Young was very willing to check the ball down to him. And I do think that Miles Sanders is going to get a lot of check down stuff because I'm not sure, honestly, that the Panthers offensive line is going to be elite right now. And I do think that there's absolutely a scenario where Miles Sanders, like Ramondre Stevenson a year ago, ends up with just a crap load of checkdowns from Bryce Young uh, because the downfield passing game just maybe isn't quite all there yet. Um, So, you know, it's also behind a very good run-blocking offensive line as well. Maybe not yet a great pass-blocking offensive line. So Miles Sanders, little competition for touches, potential for a lot of catches, Maybe not necessarily a ton of touchdowns, but it's just a safe workload for him that it's the sort of thing that like stares you in the face and you overlook <clears> it. And at the end of the year, you look up and he was like the RB 13 and you go, oh, well, um, wow, that one snuck I, under the radar a little that? bit. How did I miss that one? Yeah, that's that's Miles Sanders for me this year. Yeah, I again, you got the doc first. That's the only reason you got him. He would have <laughs> been one of mine. Love Miles Sanders. We, we've seen him be this kind of player before, too. Like, year one, when he was in Philadelphia, he caught 50 passes. Yeah. So, I mean, the the offense, I feel like, is, was so volatile for a couple of years. And then they bring in Jalen Hurts, who is great, but just doesn't check the ball down nearly as much because he runs it himself. So, yeah. I think you got a chance where Miles Sanders can get back to what he was this rookie season with potentially more upside than that. For sure. Yeah, man. I am very, very, very in on Miles Sanders this year. Very, very excited about it. Yeah, love love the fourth round there. You go, you get your... With people coming around, I'm, I'm starting to see him creep up draft boards with you. 
you may have to take him mid fourth, whereas you were yeah. be able to get him late fourth, early fifth. Still fine with it there, but you can't have the like I, I had mentioned earlier when you go you go chase Waddle, um, Olave, and if you could get Sanders in the late fourth, awesome, awesome, yeah. awesome. Yeah, I mean, is there a point at which like his ADP creeps up too high and you just don't want to draft him? Like, what is the cutoff for you where you're like, okay, the market's caught up and, and maybe his price isn't super great anymore? Because I do think there is a point, and I just kind of, I'm wondering where that is for you. Right now, his consensus running back ranking, quote unquote, is 18. So, guy, so Kenneth Walker, Aaron Jones, uh, Travis, Kenneth Walker, Aaron Jones, and Jameer Gibbs, who's at 15, but we, we've already talked about him. I, I love him. I would obviously take him over Walker, take him over Aaron Jones. The question will be if he creeps into, you know, mid, late third, where you've got ETN, mm. Brees yeah. Hall, Joe Mixon. I would prefer all those guys over him. Yep. I, I'm not willing to pay that much for him. I think I can do better later. But if I think, Kenneth Walker is going ahead of him, yeah. Yeah, I would prefer him over Kenneth Walker. I think Jameer Gibbs right now is the backstop. That is the guy that I'm not willing to take Miles Sanders over. And Gibbs tends to be kind of like that last guy in that little pack you were talking about of Brees Hall, Joe Mixon. Um, who else was ETN. in there? I, I, ETN, yeah. So I, I think Gibbs is kind of like a little, a slight tier below those guys in what ADP looks like right now. If Miles Sanders creeps up to the point where he's kind of even with Gibbs, I would rather take Gibbs. But as things sit right now, Sanders is a guy that I'm very, very excited about at his current ADP. You can get right now in drafts, you can get Gibbs and Sanders. Yes. So yeah. but once you once you can't get Gibbs and Sanders, that's when I'm out. Yeah, fair enough. All right, hit us with your third my guy. Third my guy is my boy. I hate what happened the past few years, but you know what? I've moved on. I'm okay with it. I'm excited for you this year. It's Calvin Ridley. And we've talked about him before this offseason on the show. But I, my quote-unquote, I don't know if it's necessarily a hot take or it's a little spicy, but my, my prediction is that is him going to the Jaguars was like when Diggs goes to the Bills. And he and Trevor Lawrence both level up from this. And I get there's there's good pass catchers there, but Calvin Ridley is he's that guy. Come on now. He's unbelievable route runner. Last time we saw him on the field, he was a top five wide receiver. I don't know if he necessarily gets back to top five, but I think top ten is within the realm of possibility. We you and I both have him uh I think top fifteen in our yeah. consensus rankings. We both had him there. Uh right now he's going uh back of the third round. Pick 39 overall. Dang, his ADP I'm, has been creeping up. It's it's creeping up, but it's kind of like the Miles Sanders situation. It's still I'm still okay with it where it's at. End of the third round, absolutely love that. His uh he's still wide receiver 18, and we've got okay. him at 15. So guys, where that does are, he go? So I'm thinking of guys in the third round. I'm thinking like T Higgins goes, Devonta Smith goes. Where? Are they like? Are they still early third in ADP right now? And then Ridley is like the last guy they're, in, they're, in they're that third round. They're the last round? guy there. Okay. There's so there's uh, you got 
for, for me, it's Higgins. Once he gets to Higgins, I'm still good with him after Higgins. Okay. So you so got you, like would you take Calvin Ridley? Would you take him over Devonta Smith right now? Because that's that's one of those really difficult ones where like that that's hard. Because I think I would neck. probably take Smith. Neck and neck. It's kind of okay. like Olave, Waddle. I like both okay. of them. I can be talked into either one. I think I would take Smith as it sits right now, but that's kind of the the break. You've got okay. you know Olave, you got Waddle, Olave, Higgins, Smith, and then it's you know it's Ridley right there for me. I take him over DK Metcalf. I'm taking him over Amari Cooper. I'm taking him over Keenan Allen because I just I don't see a world where those guys can break into the tier above. Whereas That's Ridley, true. I think with a good season, and I, I'm projecting he does have a very good season, can break into the top 12 and be a bona fide wide receiver one. Yeah. Okay, so, so talk in, about this then, because a yeah. lot of these guys are guys that we believe are going to be like significantly more valuable next season than what they are right now. I think that's where some of this comes from. And, you know, oftentimes these are not the safest picks in drafts. If they were the safest picks in drafts, they probably wouldn't be my guys. Because you you sort of have to call your shot a little bit with some of these guys. But we're looking at these players saying, okay, if things go right, these guys are amazing. These are league winners. These are... The situations break right, and they're incredible. But how do you weigh that safety versus upside with some of these picks? Because, you know, if you start out your draft with, you know, Chris Olave in the second round, Calvin Ridley in the third round, while we do love them, there's absolutely a possibility that they don't live up to their absolute ceiling, and they end up being like wide receiver 20. And you go, oh, my God, what happened? How do you sort of value that upside versus safety sort of approach? Yeah, and like the situation you said where you're going like Olave in the second, Ridley in the third, at, at that point, I think you you either A, overpaid for Chris Olave, and you took Ridley at good value because that means you took Olave like early second or mid second, and you're getting Ridley mid third, or you way overpaid for Calvin Ridley and you had to have taken him over guys like Tony Pollard or Gibbs or um, like T. Higgins, all guys who I prefer over. And at yeah. that point, I, as much as I love him, I can't justify taking him over those guys ranked ahead of him. I like yeah. him where he's being taken right now, but it's, it's one of the situations you kind of have to monitor. Once he gets to a certain point, if his value keeps creeping up, then I'm out. Like I can't justify taking him over – um guys like who, who's going around him like a let's like see. a i was looking at consensus stevenson. rankings uh, yes i take him over Ramondre stevenson cuz uh, i think Ramondre's like a mid third guy right now like anaji harris i think i i think i take the safety of the running back there Brees hall i Brees hall is a tricky one there uh it would depend on how you did earlier in your draft. If you've already got a good receiver, I think I'd take the upside of Brees Hall. But, you know, if I got Christian McCaffrey or Bijan or Saquon earlier, I think I'd take uh, Calvin Ridley there. Cool. Anything else on Calvin Ridley? 
Draft him. <laughs> All right, my number three, my guy. I never thought this day would come. I truly didn't. But here we are, and the anomaly of all anomalies has found his way onto my My Guys list. Javante Williams is my third My Guy, and I am very shook about it. (laughs) He should not be here, like plain and simple. He should be like an 11th round pick. He should be a guy that fantasy has faded completely. But defying every single medical, like every consensus take about how long this recovery from his knee injury should have taken, Javante Williams is back. He is playing in preseason games. And right now, I think it's pretty fair to assume there is week one going to be a 50-50 split between him and Samaj P. Ryan. And with a guy as talented as Javante Williams, if you're starting off knowing that week one, he is slated for 50% of the running back touches, I mean, that that is like the 1% great scenario of his knee injury recovery. Um, that means he has his burst back. That means that he's cutting, you know, very, very well. That mean, I mean, that means he is back. And if he's back and he sort of works himself into form, you know, Samaj P. Ryan is a really good backup. But let's just be honest about it. Samaj P. Ryan is not a great NFL starting running back. He's a good <laughs> he's a good change of pace back that can spell your starter. And so what's going to happen is if if all this is true and we have not been bamboozled that Javante is healthy. Now that that's they what this caveat is. The biggest the biggest <laughs> lie and he doesn't come into like week 7. <laughs> that would be very unfortunate because all the information we've gotten would have been false and You, you told know, me he was going to play. It was like that uh it'd be like that week when T Higgins got zero last year. Yes. And yes. like they, they, you said he was going to play, and then you just yes. didn't play him. Yes, that would be awful. But since there has been no information to indicate that's the case, I mean, by week six, in my mind, he has worked himself back into shape, and he is taking 60 65% of the running back work. With 60 65% of the running back work, he's going to be elite. I mean, he's just, he is an incredibly talented running back. One of those guys that, like, I mean, he was the RB3 in Dynasty before the injury. People were losing their collective minds about Javante Williams. And the other part of this is, too, like, when we're looking at my guys, one of the things that I like to look at, and we mentioned this already, is, like, where is their value going to be a year from now? Javante Williams has a pretty decent chance if we haven't been bamboozled. He's got a decent chance to be the kind of guy that is a fringe first-round pick a year from now. He's that kind of good, and he's in a Sean Payton offense that has always, always featured elite running backs. Or at least, if they weren't elite, it's been an elite collective running game. They're going to be, I think, a pretty run-heavy offense this coming season to sort of free things up for play-action shots with Russell Wilson and those receivers. And an integral part of this offense is going to be the one-two punch of Javante Williams and Samaj P. Ryan. And I just believe in my heart of hearts that if the information we've gotten is true, that 
Javante Williams ends up being a potential top 12 kind of running back. Um, we're hedging that by saying he's a he's our RB24 right now. But just the talent combined with the offense combined with everything that we've been told about his injury recovery, this is the type of guy that should for sure outperform his ADP, should be a guy that challenges uh, as a potential late first-round pick this time next year. Um, I don't know. It, it just feels like the time might have come for Javante Williams to dominate for fantasy football. I think it's it's similar to the, the reason he probably makes your list is it's kind of like Brees Hall a little bit, where the fact that he can he's going to contribute some, it looks like, early in the season, and as the season progresses across the back half, that's when you're going to see the league winning side. So the fact that you can yes. get some production early and the potential to win your league later, where's he going? Like eighth round probably, eighth or ninth round, I'm I guessing? think he goes – Seventh. He's he's not quite Seventh that round. far back. But still, I I'm good with it either way. Yeah. I Who who's who's going around him? That that's the interesting question. That's a good question. I'd have to look that up. Um I do think he and P Ryan are pretty similar in terms of their ADP right now. Um yeah, get both of them. Take Javante. Honestly. Javante, uh, late seventh, and P. Ryan, early eighth. Jeez. Yeah. I don't know, dude. He's he's the RB27 in Fantasy Pro's ECR right now. He's going around guys like, uh, let's see here, James Cook, Isaiah Pacheco, Alvin Kamara is right ahead of him, David Montgomery, Rashad White, James Conner, Damian Pierce. I might take him over Alvin Kamara, honestly. Yeah, because Kamara's going to be three out games. three games, and that's when we're hoping Javante's going to start hitting his stride. Exactly. I mean, I would take him over Rashad White. I would absolutely take him over Damian Pierce. Um, I would think about it with James Conner. I would probably take him over David Montgomery. Um, Montgomery's closer. Yeah, Montgomery's very close. I think they are He doesn't have the similar. upside that Javante Williams does, but he... I know going into the season is safer because there, yes, that's like true. we said, there is still the possibility that Javante doesn't contribute as much as we're hoping early. Yeah. And I hope that doesn't happen, but there it's, it's within the realm of possibility, which is why obviously he's going way later, but yeah. And honestly, like, it's one of those, how do you, and I guess you tell me, obviously you're, you're so telling me cause he's your, my guy, but how do you, <laughs> how do you judge it? Like you asked me earlier, the risk versus reward on that based on yeah. what you think. I mean, I just, I know he, I, let's put it this way. When he was drafted that first season, he looked like he was set to be a top five running back in the NFL. And then he got injured. Um. I just can't get over the fact that the Sean Payton offense has, since like 2006, produced a top 12 fantasy running back just about every year. Uh, it's not just Alvin Kamara. It's also Mark Ingram. It was also like, what was, what, who was it before Mark? Like in 2000, what would that have been? Like 2000, 
15, 14. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, I'd have to go find those other names. But they, I mean, they've just always been in the top of like collective backfields. Maybe not just one guy, but collectively, they're a top three fantasy running back uh, backfield collectively every year since 2006. So, Sean Payton's offenses are very kind of running backs. He's a very good running back, and his price is depressed because of injury concerns, and apparently he's healthy. All those things together mean he ends up on my my guys list. That's fair enough. At what point are you not taking him? Um, if he... If he gets up into like the fifth round because of the risks associated with him. It's a little scary. It's a little bit much. Because I will admit. You're still getting starters on your team. Yeah, for sure. In the fifth round, there's really good receivers. It's a dud for five weeks. That that hurts. That hurts a lot. Right now, being in like the seventh round, that's still like there's some good receivers there, but the receivers in the seventh round have a lot of risks associated with them as well. I'm willing to take a guy who might be a top five talent, but has some risks associated due to injuries um, that he's apparently recovered from. I'm willing to take the shot there. But like, if he's getting into the fifth, that's like guys in the fifth, you sort of know more what you're dealing with. And at that point, I'm, I'm probably not going to do it. But as things stand right now, he's, he's been an automatic pick for me in those like late sixth round, seventh round, kind of spots fair hit us with your last my guy speaking of seventh round wide receivers this one i don't know if i might would take above javante it is jackson smith and jigba and you and i are both collectively very very high on jsn and he's more on here i mean obviously we love the talent but if you look at where he is going in drafts, it is unbelievable to me how much of a steal he is. He's going yeah. per ECR at pick 81, which is Ooh. the wide receiver 36 overall. You're oh getting God. this guy in the eighth round. And he's in the tier of prospect. I'm not saying he's as good, but like, He's in the tier of just elite prospects like Justin Jefferson, Jim Marchese, those guys who just were studs out of college. And the fact that, like, you know, and I get he's in a crowded wide receiver room, but he is so talented, and the offense, I think, will be good enough to where we've got him ranked in our top 24 between you and I. Yeah. And the fact that I, we talked about this right before the show, I think I'm, I would be okay with him looking at the rankings at the back end of the fifth round. I, I don't think I would take him there because I think I can get him later. But the back end of the fifth round. Because look, I'm looking at guys going ahead of him. James Cook, Gimme Smith, and Jigba. Mike Evans, Michael Pittman, Marquise Brown, mm-hmm. Rashad White, Deontay Johnson, Mike Williams, Brandon Ayuk, Damian Pierce, all of those guys are going ahead of him. I think where the cutoff is is Chris Godwin, who's going in the fifth. I think I would take Chris Godwin. But after that, dude, like you can 
We can argue about James Conner, maybe. I could see you taking him ahead of him. Yep. But every other guy here, like Tyler Lockett, I think JSN's going to take his spot. I really do. JSN's better than him. Christian Kirk, there's an argument to be had there. I actually do like Christian Kirk a lot. What about Deontay Johnson? I would take Njigba. Okay. I think I think that one is more I, I know Deontay's gonna get volume, but Njigba is a much better receiver than he is. I would agree. And I, I'm a big Deontay hater, so I know you if are. It, and if I have, there was a if there was a not my guy list, Deontay Johnson <laughs> would be my number one pick. Dude, the Deontay Johnson roller coaster has been incredible because like last year people were in on Deontay and you and I both were like I don't know why you would draft this guy. I have no clue why you would draft this guy. And then he flopped, and now everybody's like, Deontay sucks. And I'm like, okay, but he goes in like the eighth round. I'm drafting Deontay Johnson in the eighth round. I'm okay with him in the eighth round. I'll give you that. That's fine. But if we're in the eighth round, and Deontay Johnson is still on the board, and Njigba's still on the board, I'm going to take Njigba. I mean, I don't hate it. In PPR leagues, I would probably want to take Deontay over him. But like... You can talk me out of it. I'll, I'll say that. You can talk me out of it. I'm very high on Jackson Smith and Jigbo. Listen, you and I both, I have tried to acquire him in so many dynasty leagues and failed because I was not willing to pay the iron price, and that is exactly what it was. I it was the, the iron, iron price. price. <laughs> it it's was because he's, like, you get the concerns about this year, but in dynasty, like, he's one of those guys, he is going to go much higher next year yes. than he is right now absolutely so why would i sell him to you for relatively cheap right now when i know i can get a haul for him next year that's been the theme of all of these guys that right now the price they're going is very nice because next year we collectively would agree that they're going to be better values next year that they're maybe going to have, have been higher ADP breakout list maybe my guy list maybe but yeah, JSN is awesome. And the the wide receiver 37 price feels, I mean, it just feels incorrect. Just flat out wrong. I thought it was laughable when you had Michael Pittman at wide receiver 48 in your own rankings. <laughs> but but JSN at 37 is also laughable. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, maybe I'm wrong, but man. I don't know. You, you got to take the shot. And in, in the eighth round, yeah, yeah, I'll take the shot. Every single time. All right, my last my guy. I've been saying it, if you've been listening. Darren Waller in the sixth round is one of my favorite draft values this year. I know TJ Hawkinson is your favorite tight end value. Waller in the sixth is my favorite value. Because even though they're, you know, he's been injured, past few years and so he has burned a few people with that but if you're looking at just production as a tight end Darren Waller has been arguably the second best receiving tight end in the NFL over the past like four years if you uh if you just sort of remove the whole injury thing when you look at his production on the field two seasons of 1100 plus yards I know Mark Andrews is great we consider him the tight end too Mark Andrews hasn't done multiple seasons of 1,100-plus yards. T.J. Hawkinson's never done that. Um, so Waller is an elite guy that has been traded to the Giants in the offseason. 
And every report out of camp are that Darren Waller is far and away the best receiver in Giants camp, that he's dominating everybody. Which I should have told you that. He Who's should. His competition? <laughs> Sterling Shepard? Like, come on. Exactly. Now. And this is the other part of it is he has become, at least in camp, so you kind of sort of got to take it with a grain of salt. But they're saying that he's Daniel Jones' safety blanket. That Daniel Jones looks around and he goes, oh, well, I could throw to a contested Sterling Shepard or I could throw to a wide open Darren Waller in the middle of the field and nobody can cover him. Darren Waller, to me, feels like the kind of guy that is once again in the conversation for like an 1,000-plus-yard season, that he's a focal point of the Giants' offense, along with Saquon Barkley. And he ends up being the kind of guy that you look back next season and you go, why why were we so low on Darren Waller? If he finishes as like, and I know you would hate to see this because it means Hawkinson didn't do it, if Waller finishes as the tight end three this time next year, well, that's we're only all going. because Hawkinson was the tight end two. If that happens, <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, if Waller ends up being incredible, we're all like, "What were we doing?" And it's we were concerned about the injuries. We were concerned potentially about the new team. But I'm here to tell you, the new team should not be a concern. Injuries, I'll grant you. Okay, I'll let you be concerned about his injury history. But he's currently healthy, and I don't project injuries. Even though some people are like, I'm going to project injuries for Dale Waller. That's fine. I'm not going to because he's not currently injured. Uh, he looks like he's going he's gonna to be a great tight end pick this year in drafts, and I'm very excited about it. Last time he was healthy, he's the tight end too. He had 146 Jeez. targets and nine touchdowns. Oh my God! And talk, we talk, people like to talk back about Daniel Jones. Just got a new contract. I think he's a decent quarterback. I really do. You want to know something crazy? If you do a blind reveal on Jalen Hurts and Daniel Jones' numbers last year, take the names out of it. They're not incredibly different. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not. Because people would hate us. I'm not going to say Daniel Jones is better than Jalen Hurts. Because I mean, no. he's not. Because it's, it's incorrect but, to say but, that. But, 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 Jalen Hurts has a far superior team around him oh, yeah. than Daniel Jones. You put Jalen Hurts on the Giants, they do not make the Super Bowl. Not even close. I no. mean, you took I mean, Jalen Hurts on the Giants, yeah. They don't make the Super yeah. Bowl. Not even close. No, so. no they do not. They, that is not a Super Bowl roster. For sure. So, so that's all I'm going to say. Daniel Jones plus Darren Waller. N literally zero other target comp like Saquon Barkley is probably going to be the number two target getter in this offense it's going to be a tight end and a running back are the two best tight end shareholders in the Giants offense that is that's a recipe for tight end success year two under Brian Dable too so the offense is going to be better than it was this past year I would agree and I would also expect the offensive line to be pretty solid this year i think for the first time in the daniel jones era we can say they'll have a decent offensive line yeah we, we can low-key put danny dimes on here as a my guy I, I like him this year all that said i have not drafted daniel jones a single time this offseason I, I don't think i think i drafted him once in a mock i did earlier today <laughs> where where i've drafted daniel jones is i'll take anthony richardson for the upside and then i'll come back around and take daniel jones for the safety 
Yeah, and I got him in like round ten. I'm like, yeah. okay, I get. Yeah, a, you get I him in like the eleventh round. Quarterback in like ten round. Awesome. Yeah, I yeah. like that. Speaking but, of that, we actually had an honorable mention. We do hit us with the honorable mention. Yeah, honorable mention. Another quarterback who where, where he's going in drafts. I'm like, yeah, that's that's awesome. It's Trevor Lawrence actually, because one of my favorite draft strategies is to get Calvin Ridley in the fourth round, third round, and then get Trevor Lawrence in the sixth round or sometimes seventh round. I've seen him go in where he's at. He's our quarterback eight on the year. I've already projected him to take a big step forward, adding Ridley. So the fact that he's going, and this is not to knock on Justin Herbert at all, because you know Justin Herbert's my boy, and yours too, both of Justin Herbert. But like Justin Herbert's going in the fifth, mid-fifth, late-fifth, and then Lawrence is over a round behind him, whereas I think he's going to be really close to Justin Herbert, probably point-wise, and Joe Burrow and all those guys. That 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 huge a difference is great value. Yeah, yeah. Trevor Lawrence has been one of my targets for sure in the fifth round. He goes like late fifth. I've seen him a couple times in the early sixth, and I've, though I he did not make the cut. Oh, dude, yeah, that's great. He didn't make the cut as a my guy, um, but yeah, Trevor Lawrence should definitely take a step forward this year. Um. He's he's kind of like an additive to the Calvin Ridley, my guy. Let's be honest about it. Yeah. If I it can is a, pair those two in drafts, I love doing oh, that. Ooh, yes. One that of the better stacks. Stack. You know what's another stack that I've been quietly getting this year that just it feels like it's going to be very, very nice for fantasy this year? Who? It's It's been a De, Deshaun Watson and Amari Cooper stack. I like... we. That's another guy we could have mentioned because we both like Deshaun Watson where he's going because you're getting him in like the eighth, ninth round. Yeah. That's really solid. I haven't drafted much of Mari Cooper, though. I mean, what does he go? Like, I think he's a sixth round pick. Some he's you he sometimes goes ahead of Calvin Ridley. Does he? Okay, and so he's more like I, fourth. I do not agree with that. Yeah, that seems a little bit high. Um anyways, that is not those are not my guys. Just like him. Don't draft those guys. Anything else you want to touch on with these guys? I think that's it. I can't wait for Instagram posts and hear you guys review on this show because this is this is one of our favorite shows to do every year. I, I love the My Guy show. Yeah, this is a good one. I do love it. We're, uh, I guess, a mini announcement. We're starting soon to hit two episodes a week. We're going to try and get some more mock drafts out before the season, just trying a bunch of different things to sort like of give you draft a week is our current goal. Yeah. Along we're going to try and regular hit regular episode. Exactly. And then during the season, we'll do at least two episodes a week. Uh, so yeah, we are gearing up for the regular season along with you. If you have any fantasy questions, shoot us a DM on Instagram, fantasy brothers underscore. We're posting there all year long. That'll do it from us. Josh is. Well, yeah, Josh is. <laughs> I'm not. I, I don't even know how to do it, honestly. I'm not a social media guy. Like I have Instagram that I scroll through to look at other, to look at like sports stuff, basically, and Fair send enough. memes to people. You are a I, king I, meme sender. I'll give I you that. Send, I send some good memes too. There's some dank memes in in my DMs pretty regularly. Yeah, but other than that, I just I never have been big on social media. I'm not good at it. But Josh is, so. 
It works. That'll do it from us. We'll see you, uh, I guess, later this week with a mock draft. We will see you. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Brothers Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode and want to connect to us, follow us on Instagram at fantasybrothers underscore or on Twitter at fantasybros underscore. If you want to support the show, you can do that at Patreon forward slash fantasybrothers.